Speaking of holidays and Christmas, we're starting our Christmas series today. And that series is called The Light Has Come. And Pastor Roland, our lead pastor, has come to start that series for us. So give it up for Pastor Roland. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? I trust that you are. Uh, yeah, like Pastor Matt said, you know, before COVID, if I was sick, I stayed home anyway. So whether COVID or not, if you're not feeling well, you know what? We love you. We'll pray for you. Um, you call the right person, they might even bring you some soup. I like that part. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, trying to make any big deal about it. We're just, it's, for me, it's, it's common sense. I don't want to get sick. Uh, and I don't mind that I am. You know what I'm saying? So it's just one of those things. So thank you for uh, helping us. Uh, but I thank God that we are in a place now where we meet and we come together. God's church is designed to be together. We are a living organism, uh, and that's what he has called us to do. So um, if you are uh, healthy, man, bring it, all right? So, well, like Leah said, we have made it. We are in December. We are officially in the Christmas season. It has, uh, as always, snuck up on us again. <laughs> and so, um, but I don't know about you, but I love the holidays. I love the Christmas season. Um, it's a place in a time where the whole world stops, whether directly or indirectly, honors God. Uh, I, you know, as we're going through the store and I'm listening to these Christmas carols, some of these Christmas carols are deep and they're rich in their lyrics and talking about defeating sin and the king coming to save the world. And it's like the world has no idea. They are glorifying God. You know, so I like that. But like Pastor Matt said, we start our Christmas series today. Um, I want to start with uh, a story that um, it, at the time, you know when you go through something bad, it's, it's never funny, but after you get through it, it's funny. I used to do, now I understand I have some uh, spiritual family here uh, from Guam uh, visiting us. Well, we're, I used to pastor our Every Nation Church in Guam, uh, and something that I uh, used to enjoy doing, as long as I had the right people with me because I felt safe, was go spearfishing. And the serious people would spearfish at night. Uh, and so it meant having the right flashlight, and we would have these big flashlights with like 10 D-sized batteries. They're powerful. But you realize even when you're swimming in the ocean, that light only goes so far. And so I remember um, there's this village down south, and there's a channel. And so my friends decided that there was a lot of big fish on the other side of this channel. In order to get there, it would have been easier if we knew one of the families whose houses was on the beach, but we didn't know them. So rather than trespassing and entering the water at, on that side, we went to the other side of the channel and we had to swim across. It was about 10 minutes of just straight swimming, head down, splashing your feet, carrying all your, you know, your gear. And so I remember, um, you know, your mind loves to play tricks on you. Uh, it's your mind that scares you the most. And I remember as we're swimming across this channel, by the way, where Guam is, is the deepest waters in the world. You guys might have heard the Marianas Trench. It's seven miles deep. Um, right off of the coast of Guam, once you leave the reef, it drops 2,000 feet immediately. It's like me stepping off the stage and just dropping straight down. 
And so it was deep water. We were swimming across. And I remember I would shine my light to see if I could see the bottom. And, of course, you can't. And then I would shine my light, you know, horizontally. And, of course, it would end. In my mind, I would always see a shark coming out of the darkness and into the light, right? Well, here's what happens. On the way back, we're already tired. Um, thank God I had a friend who was a strong swimmer. What we used to do was put a cooler and wrap an uh, inner tube tire around it so it would float. Whenever we would catch fish, we'd put it in the cooler. But one person was assigned to carry that. Thank God it wasn't me. And so I remember um, seeing my light get dim. And I remember the universal sign was to flash your light back and forth, and then everybody comes up, hey, is everybody okay? And I remember doing that. And so a couple of the guys came up. I said, hey, um, my, my light is, is beginning to give up. And so uh, I said, I don't want to be out here. Can one of you guys swim back with me? And so um, my friend, his name was Romeo. He said, man, I'll go with you. I said, okay. And so as we're swimming, um, you know, I mean, this guy was a strong swimmer. I mean, against the currents and against the waves. We're swimming across. He's ahead of me. And so we're shining our lights down. I can still see his flashlight off in the distance. My light flickers about three times. And it was out. I'm behind him. I cannot flash my light anymore. And I was in pitch darkness in the middle of the ocean with waves and with currents. And so instead of snorkeling my way, I had to swim with my head above because I had to look at the lights on the land. And so, and he just kept swimming. And for a moment, I was in total darkness. And the feeling inside was terror and panic. And if something would have happened to me, or if I would have got carried out, nobody would have ever known. And so thank God he made it to the beach first and turned around and saw that I was nowhere to be found. And so he kind of came back. And so as he came back, I began to see his light again, and I was able to swim to him. And then I swam with him back uh, to, the, uh, to the shore. When we got back, it was about 4 in the morning. We went out at about 8 p.m. and got back at 4 in the morning. So that's how serious these guys were. Time flies, you don't even realize it. But I remember, you know, in the water, it's not that crazy. But still, somehow in the darkness... In my mind, at least, it was total, total chaos. And, and I needed something. I realized how comforting that light was, how comforting his light was. We all need light in this life. And so that's what we're talking about. We talk about Christmas, talking about the light has come. What does that mean for us? As God's people. So about this time, we start getting Christmas cards. How many have gotten Christmas cards in your mailbox in November? Anybody? I actually received a Christmas card in November. I, my hat's off to that family. You know, but you get two kinds of Christmas cards. The first one is um, the one where your kids are on it. Right? That's one Christmas card. Then the other Christmas cards have other, you know, images, the manger, the star, the wise men, animals, Joseph, Mary, right? We get those Christmas cards. And when you think about the Christmas story, you can't tell the Christmas story, the true Christmas story, 
without those images. When you read the Gospels, there are four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all give an account of Jesus' arrival here on earth. Three of them look like the Christmas cards. There's a manger, there's a star, the wise men, they are led by the star. They get there, they worship Jesus. We know the story. But John, if you take away the manger, you take away the star, you take away the wise men, take away baby Jesus, take away Mary, Joseph, and you have John's account of Christmas. And so he takes a different approach as he's telling this story, his version. So how did he describe his version of coming to earth? We're going to find out here in a second. But I just want to point out something in that John, as an author, was a little bit unique. He was a lot more poetic. He had a way of kind of drawing you in. He had a way of telling you what was incredibly simple but so deep in truth. So easy enough where you could read it in Sunday school and the kids would get it. Maybe recite it to you in the car on the way home. And then at the same time, even in, in its simplicity, the depth of what he said is enough to keep wise men chewing on it for weeks. And so that's the uniqueness of John. So we're going to go to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. After that, we're going to jump to verse 14. I'm going to read three passages. And then after that, we're going to jump to the creation account, Genesis 1, 1 through 3. But I want to do something different. For added effect, because we're talking about darkness and we're talking about light, I want to read this in the dark. Can we do that? So you may not, if you have a phone and you're following along, you'll be able to see. But if you have a Bible, we're going to bring the lights down. You may not be able to read. Just follow my voice, okay? All right, so crew, can we turn down the lights? Thank you. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then finally, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. We can turn the lights back on. Thank you. Now, a lot of what I'm going to say is obvious. Um, and so, therefore, the message might be a little bit short today. And all the hungry people said, amen. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, one of those obvious things is that light is essential. Light is essential. Light is responsible for all life on earth, for the air we breathe, the cycles of our ocean, 
the mag magnetic fields around our planet. I'm no scientist, so I'm not going to try to go there. But gravity, warmth, even our weather is dependent on light. It, it even impacts our personal lives. Light lets, lets us, allows us to see in the dark. Uh, light, if refracted off of a, you know, eyeglasses or off of contact lenses, it may help you to see better. But light helps us. Light is needed. Now, we're talking about those physical things, but it's the same spiritually. There is a spiritual darkness that we can't comprehend. And there's a spiritual darkness that we can do nothing about. And therefore, we need a spiritual light to get us through. The book of John and the book of Genesis are parallel books. We read both of them, the first chapter and the first verse of each one. And so John connects the two of those books with three words. And so here's where John and his writing skills and the way his mind thinks ties the two together. He says, in the beginning. Say, in the beginning. He begins the book of John by repeating these three words. Did he make them up? No. He was referencing Genesis. And he was attempting to piece these two things together. He begins... Um, also, he begins by repeating those three words in the beginning. He did this to make a statement. He was making a statement. In the beginning is how the story of the whole entire Bible also begins. And so as he's talking about how Jesus shows up, here we see there was no animals. There was no trough. There was no star. There was none of that. He chose to write from a cosmic perspective. It was, it, was a, it was a bigger way to look at this situation. Rather than saying what was um, obviously happening, he was looking at it from, from a, more of a spacecraft view, so to speak. And so, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when you look at the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And we read Genesis, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you have to, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was God. And so he's connecting these two. And when you think about what was God doing in the beginning, God was speaking his creative word. He was speaking things into existence. When we think of the creation, it's all, it's all physical. It says he created the heavens and the earth, he created the water, he created the animals, right? But John is saying, even though that was the practical, what we needed when the light came, when the word came, it was a spiritual need. We were spiritually deficient. Now let me back up a bit. In uh, Genesis 1 says that God created the heavens and the earth and that the earth was formless and void. The Hebrew word, if you were to study those, formless and void and darkness literally is translated chaos. It was without form. It's, it's chaos uh, and confusion is another translation. That's exactly what I was feeling when I was navigating the waters all by myself. Fear. Thoughts. I had a million thoughts going through my mind. I was thinking, man, because... On that side of the world, the oceans get pretty rough. 
when you lose somebody in the water, sometimes you don't find them. And so I was even thinking, man, are they going to be able to find me? Uh, another one of my friends was swept by a current. He floated 12 miles down the shoreline on the other side of the reef. So if you guys were on the beach and the reef was here, this is the deep water. Uh, there was a time, I wasn't with him at that time, but um, we, we got news, we heard uh, that, that he disappeared. And so, you know, uh, my friends are all, you know, calling and texting and, hey, have we heard, have we heard anything? He floated about 12 miles before they finally picked him up in the water. So that gave me hope that, okay, if I can just float and not get eaten, maybe, maybe somebody will find me. But when you think about darkness, that's exactly where I was. Now, again, that's a physical need, but imagine a spiritual darkness. And people don't, real, they don't even recognize it, so they don't even know how to begin to navigate it. There's the need. And so the light is a spiritual light. God said those famous words, let there be light. Why is this significant? Because light represents peace. The moment I saw Romeo's light, I was instantly better. Instantly. I was relieved. As soon as I saw the light, I said, you know what? I'm fine. I'm good. And I followed him. And, and, and I was, thank God I'm here. <laughs> As your pastor, you may have not have known me had I not seen that light. So thank God for that. But when God said, let there be light, he was solving a practical problem in Genesis because he was putting things together in creation, a supernatural being bringing everything together. That's kind of exciting. But everything was pretty physical. But John is saying, you know, in the beginning, it's the same. In the beginning was the word. Now this word is different. The word is being spoken here because we are in spiritual darkness. And we needed a spiritual light. And he did solidify it later on in the verse. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. We're going to get into this a little bit more. So think about the very first Christmas. The Christmas cards show a peaceful scene. Mary sitting on the ground with her baby. Right? Joseph's on the other side, the stars above them. Looks very peaceful, huh? You know that account of Christmas was not peaceful at all? That area of the world has been war-torn from the beginning. When I, uh, last February, it's been almost a year, I had the privilege of going to Israel. And they said, hey, uh, on this day, we are going to Bethlehem, where this all happened. We went to the church where it's believed that uh, Jesus, uh, where it all happened, uh, and they built a church there to kind of commemorate it. You know how humans are. We try to memorialize everything. And so as we got to the boundaries of Bethlehem, the bus had to stop. And so the guy who was leading our group said, okay, guys, from here, they're going to bring um, people on. And so it was, we were going to the Palestinians. I had no idea. Bethlehem to me is Israel, you just think, you know. But it's controlled by Palestinians. And so for that reason, we had to come to a stop. And they said, okay. And so from here, we take our hands off and we bring a Palestinian tour guide on to come onto the bus. And it was this one girl, and I can't remember her name. And she was a Christian Palestinian. 
And she said, you know, they'll tell you about 6 to 10% of us there's, are, are Christian. She said, but I'm going to be honest with you, it's less than 1%. So the fact that she got on her bus as a Christian who loves God and professes him and his faith, that was a testimony. And so we began to get this, you know, this view of, of what we were entering into. And she said, please remember us and pray for us. And the moment we got off the bus, we, we crossed the, the border. Uh, she's telling us the stories. As soon as we get off the bus, you immediately feel this tension. That's a Christian tour group. These are Christian pastors. And as we're walking down the street, we're going, you know, you good? Yeah, me too. And so we think that this first Christmas scene is peaceful, and it's really, really not. Imagine that there was people all over the place. I mean, it was so chaotic that, that Mary and Joseph couldn't even find a place. When it talks about there was no room in the inn, it's not like there was a hotel with a blinking sign saying vacancy, no vacancy. A lot of times, because people would come at, at, at a certain time of the year, it would be personal homes that we open up. Hey, my kid's at college. I got a room here. 50 bucks a night. That's the way it worked. And most of the time, you go to your family first. And Mary being from there, she couldn't even find a place with her family. And then think of the story. Mary, an unmarried teenager who's pregnant, I would have hated to have been David. This young girl pregnant and she's with me? Chaotic. The first Christmas scene kind of looks like ours, doesn't it? Here we are approaching Christmas. You go outside these doors and you start to look around and you feel this Kind of an atmosphere. Our political scene, our, our health, here we are talking about, you know, health again, and it, it's chaotic. And so that Christmas kind of looks like ours. There's a darkness that only Jesus can help us with. Christmas, the Word of God, the eternal God coming to earth to bring peace and light to a dark, chaotic world. John 8, 12 says that we can have this light. It's possible. It says in eight, uh, John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So light, yeah, it's a necessity. Yeah, we need it ourselves. But how many know that others need it also? We were created to shine his light in this world. Something that you may not have known that I learned just as I'm studying for this message. In the, I guess in the science world. I know I sound smart. I'm really not there. But it's just what I read. So, but there's something called bioluminescence. And there are these creatures that they, they just light up. They emit light. I'm fascinated with this kind of stuff. You got a jellyfish, you got that crazy looking fish that I'm glad I've never seen in the ocean. Um, you know, you got a squid, isn't that amazing? And then of course you got fungus and mushrooms that glow. And this uh, here, anybody know what this is? This bottom middle picture? Those are billions of fireflies. That picture was taken in India. 
And so they have this ability to light up. But what you don't know is we are bioluminescent also. We are bioluminescent. We just don't emit enough energy for us to visibly see it. God created us to emit light. We are a part of a living light. Jesus is light that begats life. And it says here that if we will follow him, we will never be in darkness. Now, if you came in, you should have gotten something. You should have gotten a star. Can you take that out? If you don't have one, raise your hand. We'll get one in your hand. Uh, let's see. Ushers, can you bring in some? Oh, there we go. All right. Thank you. All right. And get your phones ready. Matthew 5, 14, 16 says, now this is interesting. Jesus said what? I am the light of the world. Right? If we read in Matthew 5, 14, what does it say? You are the light of the world. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And now we're reading and it says, you and I are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, I want you to take this star. We're going to turn the lights down again. We can kill the lights. All right, now I want you to hold the star up in the sky like a star. And then I want you to turn on your flashlight on your phone. All right, now hold it up. And shine the light on that star. And then say, wow. Say it backwards. Wow. All right. A light source is needed. A lot of times we simply reflect the light of God. Okay? Put your phones down real quick. Leave your lights on. You notice anything? Wow. I forgot the scientific chemical that makes these things glow, that collects light and glows. I don't know if it's a, never mind, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> okay, now do this, do this now. Take the star and now put it right up against your phone. Okay, and spread that thing around, get all the corners. All right. You see what's happening here? All right, now, now take your phone away and hold that star up. Wow. There's a principle here, guys. The closer you walk to the light source, the more radiant you become. Bow our heads. We're going home. No, 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 no. Just a few more things. The closer you walk to the light source, the more radiant you become, not only did Jesus say, I am the light of the world, he said, you are the light of the world. And God, being so creative, created us with the ability to physically glow. But we're talking about a spiritual problem, a spiritual darkness. We want to spiritually glow. Acts 13, 47 
says this, for, the, for so the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Um, if you can show the picture of the Luxor. Amazing sight, right? I don't know if you knew this, but that is actually the most powerful light source on earth. Right? Amazingly, our city, spiritually. Show the next picture. These lights are, there's a, again, a scientific term called candelera. You go to the store and it's not, you know, uh, lumens. We go, oh, no, that, this flashlight's 5,000 lumens. Oh, this one's 10,000. No, the, the, the more powerful, appropriate word is candelera. This bright light is not one single source. It's an accumulation of them that makes one powerful reflection or whatever you want to say. And for me, this is a picture of the church. As each one of us contribute, as each one of us bring the light, it creates something even brighter. An interesting thing is that the Luxor, back in 2008, we, the world hit a financial crunch. And so they dialed back the energy being produced, the light being produced. They dialed it down to 50%. Since 2008, they have never cranked it back up. The potential is so, so, so much more than what we realize. Um, and I think before you could actually see that beam from outer space. So anyway, but, but you guys are starting to get this. You're starting to understand now. When we talk about the light of the world has come, thank God we got it. Thank God we received it. But there's something else. We need to bring it. We need to bring that light. And let me give you the last point. And I want this to encourage you. And that's that light always wins. Light always wins. You realize darkness just exists. It's always there. You don't go into the room and say, hey, turn on the dark. It's, it's already, it's, that's just the way it is. But you say, bring me some light. Turn on the light. For me, that's the message of the scripture. The world is dark. Bring me some of that light. We need some of that light. And Jesus goes, okay, great, I'm here. Let me help you. Come close. Moses, right? He would go up to the mountain, and he would not even realize that he'd be having conversations with God face-to-face, -face, and he would come out, and people were scared because his face would be glowing. And he was carrying God's glory. And I believe as God's people, he wants us to carry his glory. And that's the last verse of our main text. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not and cannot overcome it. Because when you think about the source that we're drawing from, that source created everything else. There is no darkness going to overcome that. In Genesis, it says that the earth was formless and void and chaotic and dark. Then God said, let there be light. And he declared that the light was good. And then in verse 4, if you read further, it suggests that the light overpowered the darkness 
from the beginning. Light overpowered darkness from the beginning and has never overcome it since. Spiritually speaking, now we've seen some dark times in our, in our history. We've seen some dark times in our, in our world. But light has always dispelled the darkness. Numerous times, if you read the Bible, all throughout the Gospels, darkness has come against the light. The darkness attempts to overpower the light. And, and I mean, we read it in our Bible. At the time of Jesus' birth, Herod decrees all infant males be put to death. And then following Jesus' baptism, he's tempted mercilessly, mercil mercilessly by Satan. That darkness is real, isn't it? During his earthly ministry, he's conf Jesus is confronted by political leaders and religious leaders. And everywhere he turned, they were coming across, of course, Jesus is humiliated. And he's put to death by Roman rule. And he's left for dead. And he was buried in a tomb that was borrowed. It wasn't even his. And so, yeah, each time darkness is thwarted, and light is victorious. We know of governments that have come against believers. We know of governments that have tried to get rid of the word of God. And it's just, it's just never worked. Every time Bibles are smuggled into a, a red light nation, a closed nation where you're not supposed to go and be, those scriptures are alive and well. Sometimes they'll beg you for one page of your Bible. So missionaries will come. You go to an underground church, you're encouraging your, your spiritual brothers and sisters. And then when it comes time to leave, they're going, please, can we have just one page? Just, Tara, we don't care which one, just one page. Yeah, the world is a dark place. But the good news of scripture is that darkness cannot overcome light. And while our experience tells us that evil is alive and well, the hope and promise of Jesus is that his light will not fail. And his light will not overcome. That is the message of Christmas. And finally, Jesus declares in Matthew 5 that those who follow him are also light in this world. And as the light of Christ abides in us, you see there's a light that is maybe powerful, but it's temporary. But then there's a, there's a light that abides and it goes with you. <laughs> As you abide in it, and it goes with you. It shines forth from us. And just as the stars are more brilliant on a very, very dark night, there's not a better opportunity for us to shine than in a dark world that we talk about so much. Is the world dark? Yeah. But the darker, the better. Because the light shines even more. How many are encouraged? This is the message of Christmas, that Jesus came and the light not only saved us and made sense of the world and, and, and calmed us and brought us peace, but now we get to bring that to somebody else. And how many know people that need that? Bow your heads, let's pray. Thank you, God. Jesus, we want to first say thank you for being obedient and sacrificing 
uh, really everything that you had your life. Uh, if we even go back further, Lord, thank you that you left the comforts of whatever your culture was up in heaven, gold streets, diamonds, and Lord, you left your throne and chose to stoop down to where we are, where we live. Lord, you fearlessly went to the darkness. And not that you didn't feel things and go through things in your humanity. We understand there was a humanity about you while at the same time being totally God. But you chose to come and be with us so that we can find light and that we can find life and that we can find peace. And so, Jesus, we thank you for that. And if you're here by chance, we just always, always, always want to give an opportunity where we can. And as we're talking about this incredible gift and this incredible light and this incredible peace, and if you're here and you say, man, I just, I don't have that, but I would love to have it. Without anybody looking around, would you raise your hand and maybe I can pray with you? Is that anybody here? All right, perfect. So we're family. Lord, thank you again for what you've done now. My next prayer is that, God, you would help us to be agents of this light. Uh, as cliche as it sounds, I know it sounds weird. Lord, let us be agents of light, but, Lord, we, we mean it. Father, there's a dark world that we live in. Uh, Lord, may we not, even as your scriptures talk about, may we not cover it. May we not hide it. Lord, you meant for us to glow. You meant for us to shine. Father, let that start to happen right now in this Christmas season. And may it not stop on December 31st, Father. I pray that we would be a church that just glows. I pray that this church spiritually would give competition to the Luxor. Lord, let us shine here, Lord, as we all bring our light together and out to the world. I pray it, it would be undeniable that everybody would see it. Lord, we pray for this city of Las Vegas that you called us to live in. Oh, God, and I just pray for our family members to come into your kingdom. Father, I pray for our coworkers to come into your kingdom. Lord, I pray for our best friends who we've been praying for for years, that they would come into the kingdom. And, Lord, that our light would be like that flashlight in the middle of the ocean that, oh, my gosh, thank you. Let me get to that light. Lord, let us be that to a dark world. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.